You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Hello and welcome back to Rebel Sells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the series premiere of Star Wars Resistance, The Recruit. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, hey, what's going on, Mike? Star Wars fans, Resistance fans, uh, animation fans, welcome. Um, If you're new to the show, uh, hey... We got a huge backlog, so if you want to yeah. know what this show is going to be like, obviously go back and listen to a bunch of stuff we have with Frontlines and uh, talking Clone Wars and uh, Rebels. But man, it's a start of a new era, Mike. Um, it is. Resistance It's our first one here. We're going to be talking to Recruit here in a few minutes, um, and I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that. But hey, you know what we always like to do here as well is, hey, we're huge Star Wars fans, Mike, and yeah. we just love to talk a little Star Wars before we get into into Resistance. Uh, All of us on the move. Force is strong this week. Now, here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Right away, sir. Uh, what do you want to start off with? Episode 9? Uh, yeah, think, right? yeah. let's talk a little yeah. bit about episode 9. So it's been a little while since you and yeah. I have sat down. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that there have not been episodes of Rebel Cells. Uh, uh, for those of you who've been listening for a while, or even just recently, um, you know that uh, we've got our new recruit ourselves, uh, Cassie Sketch, who is uh, covering Forces of Destiny for us at the moment. And she's been putting out regular episodes, and she's been talking about a few of these news stories as well. But, uh, but Matt, you and I, we haven't really gotten our opportunity to, uh, to discuss some of yeah, this stuff. Because yeah. um, mm-hmm. it's really been since August since the two of us have sat down. So let's just yeah. really quickly touch on, on a few things. First and foremost, um, let's jump into some episode 9 news i uh, i think it's been, uh, did we talk about the casting before we before we went on break i don't remember if that even um uh, if that had broken yeah i think we did i mean um, maybe just barely yeah to barely to what we had at that point uh, yeah. there might have been a few tacked on at the very end there that we haven't talked about yet but who are you uh anything uh 
you wanted no, to nothing add on in, with that? nothing in particular no um just uh yeah i i don't know i i i'm excited about about new cast members coming in i'm excited yeah. about um about uh i I it's like it always sounds like it's put on, but it's not. It's actually true. It's like I'm excited about some more diversity coming in, um, different types of characters than what we've seen before, um, mm-hmm. and that's definitely something that's in the uh, in the cards for the new stuff. Um, yeah, man. Uh, oh yeah, I guess the cast was announced July 27th, so we have yeah. talked a little bit about it. Um, a little bit, yeah. There's there haven't there hasn't really been too much from the set as of yet. Uh, we have just over a year away to to wait for the movie. Um, but that said, we are already in October, um, and like we are actually already. Yeah. I mean, like it's it is as of recording. It's the Monday. It is October eighth already. Um, man, that's which is crazy to me. Um, and uh, and that means that we are probably, honestly, we're probably a little bit over two months away from a from a teaser trailer you know, for episode nine I, I hope that, with a, with yeah. like a title reveal or something like like that the title reveal's got to be coming soon. Um, yeah, so it's like we are we are actually. I don't want to say we're coming into the home stretch because that's that's farthest from it but i but we're definitely like we're coming around that that first corner i think um yeah so i'm 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 very excited about uh about the potential for this but man this is the great thing about where we're at with star wars right now it's everybody's going like oh man it's gonna be a year and a half wait between solo and episode (laughs) nine it's gonna be so long well here we are now in October. We've got Star Wars Resistance, um, and uh, and and we've gotten a few other a few other things have happened recently that uh, that kind of make it a little bit. Uh, uh, it's oh, going to yeah. be a little bit easier to wait, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I I that's kind of that that casting news. I guess I guess I thought that we hadn't covered it, but. Um, that's how long it's been since you and I have recorded that that I've completely lost track of the last thing that we talked about. Um, <laughs> but one thing that did happen between the last time that we recorded and now is Bob Iger came out and he uh, he had some things to say about um, just about Disney in general, but um, but really talking a lot about um about solo and the pace of star wars movies and how that's going um Mm -hmm. i really appreciated that he took the uh he took the brunt of the like yeah yeah he kind of yeah fell on a sword for (laughs) about solo and he kind of came out and said like look i this is on me like i'm the one who like i pushed for them to be putting out solo so so soon after and i think I, I really maintain. I really, really maintain. I think maybe in a few years we'll find out the truth. But uh, I maintain that there were supposed to be two Star Wars movies this year. Um, I think they also wanted their streaming pa- platform to be further along by now and be, be launching this fall um, mm. instead of launching next spring is what it sounds like it's going to be. And, uh, and I think that there's a few things that are, that are 
coming down the pipe soon that we're going to talk about in a minute that uh, that kind of indicate that like oh they're like they're like getting ready to go like they like yeah, this is actually hard. not that far out yeah. um yeah. and uh uh, but but I but I do appreciate that that Iger came out and he did take the 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 heat off of Kathleen Kennedy um, and I think that that was I mean like I I'm not trying to uh, to to put out a conspiracy theory here because I think that he's being honest when he says that that was him pushing because I think mm-hmm. that Disney the shareholders and 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 Iger himself look at Star Wars and go well, we want this to be the same thing that Marvel is. And Marvel is obviously with the 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 two three movies a year, right? Um, yeah. I mean, this year we had Black Panther, Avengers: Infinity War, and then Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, and I uh, and I think that I don't know that we ever want Star Wars to get to that point. That will be maybe a little bit excessive, but for Star Wars to get to the point of releasing two movies a year, I think wouldn't be ridiculous. But I, mm. I. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think that there's a gap. I do think that there is a gap, and there was supposed to be. We were supposed to be at a point where we got Solo, and then we got um, Some, something this else this December, and yeah. then maybe even something else next May, and then and then Episode 9, episode, yeah. right? Or Episode 9. Well, I guess Episode 9 technically was supposed to be next May, um, and then it got bumped when when uh, they swipped out, swapped out um Colin Trevorrow for JJ Abrams, right? right? Abrams pushed it to December. Um, but I think that the important thing here is that Disney and Lucasfilm have realized that they kind of own that window now and putting mm-hmm. out solo in May was definitely a misstep. Um, and that they probably could have let that one breathe a little longer and, uh, and actually done a proper ramp up and, uh, and a holiday release for it. And it probably would have done better in the box office but um you know that's all hindsight it's all sort of armchair quarterbacking i think yeah, that we can all kind of kind of say you know if they had done this it would have it would have done better but um i mean solo is now out on blu-ray and digital and i've watched it at least four times since since it came out and uh man it is uh, i don't know man i i think it's the best star wars movie that disney has put out I Whoa, I I, I love the Force Awakens and I really like the Last Jedi, um, even though you know like everybody else seems to hate it. Uh, although I don't think that that's true, but um, you know, there's so much. There's so, it's it's really difficult to watch the Last Jedi now without getting pulled into that, and I think yeah. that that's probably like the the for me the worst part of the Last Jedi is that like now I can't watch the movie without. <laughs> Without like watching it and going like, oh, that was awesome. See all those people are wrong, and then like I start to go down that that spiral, right? But um, but with Solo, it's just like, man, people were dumb for passing this one by, and I think that that's been sort of the resounding chorus from a lot of people as it came out on digital and people are seeing it that hadn't seen it yet, that that didn't see it in the theaters, and um, and they're going like, oh, oh wait, no, this movie, oh. Oh, this movie's actually really good. This movie, this movie's great. This is actually, and for me, it's just like, yeah, man. I I don't know. There's just there's just something. I, there's like a 
I know, I know Carl from Wampa's Lair will agree with me. There's like this, there's like a weird sort of alchemical, like magic to the, to the mix of that movie of everything when you put it together. And it just, to me is a, is a perfect fun time at the movies. And I, I, it's not, I mean, it's obviously part of the larger saga because it's Han Solo, but it's not, um, it's not building towards anything, right? It's not, there are no mysteries in there to solve. It's like, oh, we know where this character goes. We know where all of this is headed. Obviously the Darth Maul and everything of it all is, uh, is interesting um, in that respect, but it, that doesn't really affect the movie that much. It's like the last five minutes of the movie. Right. right. So I don't know. Like I, I, I'm glad to see that, that both the last Jedi and solo are, have done exceptionally well in Blu-ray sales to the point where it's like, look, you guys can complain all you want. You can, you can say that you hate the last Jedi. You bought it on digital and, and Blu-ray. It's the the Last Jedi is the the highest selling Blu-ray of 2018. The year's not even out yet. Like, like, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous to me that anybody well, would just, say. Yeah, well, I just checked on iTunes. The last I the last I saw, um, even Solo was number one on as far as iTunes yeah um, sales. So that was pretty interesting. And and you know what's crazy about um, uh, Solo was like. There was never any like super negative. I mean, it got to people were like, like, yeah, it was it was fine or it was good, but it never got like the hate that yeah. that the last last Jedi did. So it's just so it was so weird, and 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 maybe it was the timing. Maybe it was just too soon. I don't know. Maybe maybe the last Jedi had part of it, uh, part of the blame. I don't know. It's 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 so hard to figure out what happened, but but I'm glad, like you said, that. <laughs> In this medium now, in digital and and uh, Blu-ray, it's it's kind of uh, making some of that back, and, and people are really, you know, showing that on Twitter and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah, um, and the the other the other part of it is that there's news that came out that um, that those same Russian bots and everything that uh, that affected the elections uh, in 2016 <laughs> that that they were working on. I'll never believe that. On I can't the believe. Last Jedi. <laughs> I dude, I believe it because I just like I don't know, man. There's some of this stuff. There's some of this stuff out there that you just like you read it and you're like, how tone deaf are these people? Because like I don't know, like I don't I look, I know you have your issues with The Last Jedi and we've talked about that, right? But you still like the movie. I'm like you you I would never I would never even go on there and and say and, and try to Yeah uh you know push a negative thing it's like i have issues with it yeah and i like to talk about it and i love to listen to people who who really love it because like what am i missing yeah and, yeah and most of the time i'm not necessarily um turned my mind isn't changed or anything because there's just certain things in the movie that i wish and it's it's a lot of stuff and obviously luke is a big part of that yeah. But I understand where he was going with it. Like this is, hey, this was, yeah, this was them going here. Um, Ryan, you get to do, write it and do whatever the heck you want. So, you know, we have to kind of live with his choices. And and a lot of people didn't agree with a lot of stuff he did, and that's fine. But I was like, it's crazy. Like I'll, I would never go on and just start. Like I like to have a productive conversation of, yeah, of like, hey, this is what I didn't like. What is, what am I missing? Like. 
what did you see? And I'd love to hear everybody's, there was like a podcast going on, like, like people that didn't like it and people that liked it and they had like a debate. And that was kind of cool to listen to both sides of the argument. Yeah. It's really helps out. Doesn't necessarily change my mind, but I, at least I can see why, what people see in it. So, um, it's just, oh man, it's yeah. crazy. But, but like, I, like, I don't, I don't personally know. I definitely know of like some internet personalities and stuff like that, that don't, that don't like the movie, but I don't actually, like, I don't think that I actually know anybody who is like straight up, like the last Jedi is the worst star Wars movie ever. I'd rather watch a prequel, blah, 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 like that sort of thing. Um, and to me, it's like, like, look, I put, I got a lot of Star Wars fans in my friendship, They're like in my in my friend circle, right? Like, obviously, we've been doing this for ten years. Uh, I know a few people, <laughs> yeah, and oh, yeah. uh, and 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 as much as like I know that they, I know a few people who are definitely like, like they question some of the choices in the Last Jedi, like you said. Um, I don't know anybody who is like straight up vitriolic about it and and that's not to say that i haven't interacted with people who are like that but they are like random people who come out of the woodwork whether they're not actually followers of mine or or they're people that follow me on twitter or facebook or whatever but i i personally think that like this this idea that there are um that there are other forces out there that are just kind of like I don't think that Russia has any vested interest in in messing with Lucasfilm and Star Wars, but I do think that um, I do think that they have a vested interest in dissent, right? And in and in um, mm. and in like deepening the divide on all of this sort of the the partisan politics and stuff like that. And uh, we've talked about it before, and I talk about this a lot with Amanda. Um, entertainment genre in particular so like sci-fi and fantasy and stuff like that it has this incredible ability to bring us together to bring people from opposite sides of a of a of an argument together under a same under a similar perspective of like oh well, we all love star wars mm-hmm. and um what what could help more with the sort of like uh, sowing dissent and, and kind of keeping people apart from each other than taking the biggest film franchise in the world um, and using that as not only like like not allowing it to be a thing that unites people, but actively using it and weaponizing it in order to keep people separate, like continuing to be separate. And so I don't know, like I can see how how that that agenda could be used there. I also see how somebody could also just be like, look it, we did it. We can do this for the election. We can do it for anything. We can, we can use it on this. We can use it on that. Right. And that, and that they are literally just like messing with America and with Western culture because they are antithetical to, to, to Western culture. Right. Like they don't like it. So it's like, Oh, we'll just, we'll just mess with them. Let's take their favorite thing. Right. It's like, like everybody loves Star Wars. Everybody loves Marvel movies. Everybody loves this stuff. Like, let's take these things and actually turn them into points of contention. Um, so, yeah, like I see I absolutely see how how, you know, like these these tools that have been built for these purposes could be used against us in this way. But I don't know. I mean, like 
it it is what it is. I yeah. I think that the most yeah. important thing is that um, we just don't give it oxygen. Right. When you're interacting online and people get into that stuff, you just go like, okay, whatever. Yeah, but it's just uh, one of those, you just keep scrolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think that like what StarWars.com is doing with the uh, with our Star Wars stories, I think that that's super important. And I think like I didn't. Um, when they announced that they were doing that show, I was kind of like, okay, whatever. I didn't really care. I didn't really pay any attention to it. And then I watched the first episode that came out last week. And uh, I, it got into the story of, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but uh, the, it was basically one of the founders, if not the founder of the, the five. Oh, Albert Johnson. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. uh, and his story and and everything uh, uh, that that happened with him and and uh, and his daughter and all that stuff and how the community really rallied around them and mm-hmm. um, and how the five hundred first um, is is although they are stormtroopers and they are the empire they are a force for good right, right. Um, you know that firsthand because you 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 work with them right um, yeah yeah for sure yeah I mean- so so that like I. Lucasfilm actively, and I think in particular the StarWars.com team, actively putting together those stories and um, and putting that out there. To it, like, I think that they are actively combating the negativity, and and, and to me, like that is the best possible. That's just the best possible thing that that we can do right now. Is like let's like let's stop worrying about the the negativity and the bad people and all that stuff and let's just really focus on the cool stuff that we get to do as star wars fans and and be together in that way and uh and uh and and just be fans of the thing that we like you know and you know you don't have to you don't have to like everything and but you also don't have to you don't have to die on every hill either right it doesn't have to be about like oh i hate i always use it i don't like rogue one very much but i mean like it's i doesn't bother me it's i don't it doesn't keep me up at night i just don't yeah. watch it um <laughs> yeah. i don't know like there's cool stuff in it but it's not as a whole it's it's disappointing to me on a, on the level of a star wars movie uh, if other people feel that way about the last jedi that's their prerogative as well that's fine right. but like that's the end of the conversation unless we you know unless like you say we're going to get into a a debate of like you know you want to know why i love the last jedi so much and and uh, vice versa, sort of the opposite side of the argument, or or other other stories and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think that, like that's kind of just what we need to do. We need to focus well, you know, on that positive stuff. Yeah, and, and speaking of positive, I think I think we talked about this. I think before we took our little break, is we're, we're getting a little shift now because we got that huge yeah. reveal at Comic Con about the Clone Wars coming back, and that just pumped a yeah. huge breath of you know just love for star wars and then we'll talk about this next thing with the Mandalorian again pumped a huge amount of just everybody's psyched up and i'll just say this about episode nine you you brought up earlier um jj coming back i hope like you said mike i hope that they kind of take the template that they did with the force awakens and possibly give us something over the holidays um like they did some kind of teaser and then when we get to celebration we get the trailer and then next year um and and just get that ball rolling like they did with force awakens so early and get people talking about it and then you got that whole next year 
to really just get this thing, get the snowball going. And yeah. JJ's coming back. I think he's ready to knock it out of the park. We've seen um, set photos have already kind of come out. We've seen some of the players that might be already uh, together. Uh, I won't say which, just to keep people um, spoiler free. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 coming. Like you said, I think and, and cross my fingers. I hope we get something uh, over the holidays as far as maybe a teaser. But um, we we'll will finish it up. We definitely yeah, will because yeah, we got to yeah. get a title and we got to get we got to yeah. get a little. A little piece. I think that I think that I think that they'll want to recapture what they got with the Force Awakens. I think they need to get people sort of back on that track, and yeah. um, and so they'll do some similar stuff. I think we'll get some similar fun reveals. But uh, yeah, like I said, the you know the fandom has been coming around with certain stories that have had have come out, and we got a huge one this past week yeah. with the announcement of uh, the Mandalorian, uh, one picture of a Mandalorian, and that thing spread like wildfire over yes. the internet. <laughs> Mike, uh, your thoughts on that? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I think it's exactly what we needed right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that for the animation fans, you know, we've definitely, you know, we, we've, we've got resistance kicking into gear and, um, yeah. and that's something fun to, to, to watch and to talk about and all that sort of thing. And obviously, like you said, we've got the clone wars on the, uh, on the horizon, but I think for the mainstream star Wars fan, uh, this is exactly what was needed. Uh, mm-hmm. and this, this image, I've got it up on my screen right now. I mean, like this is just, man, it's just everything. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's, uh, I think everything that everybody was wanting out of a star Wars live action series. Uh, and when we heard that John Favreau was going to be doing something, it was like, okay, what's this going to be? What's this, uh, what, what's, what's, what's this? this project going to look like uh, I, we learned a little while ago that it was going to take place after return of the Jedi. Um, and now we've kind of got that confirmation. It's three years after return of the Jedi. Um, and, uh, and it, it focuses on the Mandalorian, a, a lone gunfighter uh, out there in the galaxy, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. doing his thing. And um, this image is, uh, man, it's, it's, I think it's everything that everybody wanted. I mean, like it's a, it's an awesome new design. It's exactly the kind of character that I think people want to rally behind. Um, it's, I think a nice small story, which is important. Um, and it tells, it's like they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Right. And, And this picture tells, so much of the context and story of, of what we're going to be getting. And this character, I uh, like just, just from top to bottom, um, tells you everything I think you need to know right now. Uh, this is obviously a Western. This is obviously, um, you know, I, 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 a Clint Eastwood, um, you know, I sort of, a, a yeah. send up, kind of uh, a vibe um now you know some people are going to speculate that this guy's boba fett or that he's uh one thing or another i don't know i don't i i i find that kind of hard to believe that this would be boba but yeah. uh, and we don't we don't really know anything about actors yet but um 
I'll tell you what we did get that is even better than than casting news, and that is uh, this this list of directors. I'm gonna wow. save the best for last, and you guys know Holy who crap. that's gonna be. Yeah. But let me talk about some of these uh, uh, episodic directors that we got coming up. Deborah Chow uh, from who uh, directed some Jessica Jones. Um, I, or directed Jessica Jones, I should say. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa, I'm not familiar with him, but I looked at his his filmography, and and most notably is this film Dope, and you know, kind of look at what he's done, and and uh, he's definitely got a cool cool eye, a cool style. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, which is so interesting to me because yeah. <laughs> because Ron Howard, her father, Family just ties. just yeah. directed uh, a Solo, or just yeah. brought Solo into the into the docking bay, should we say? Um, so, so Bryce Dallas Howard, obviously having grown up around Star Wars and George Lucas and uh, you know uh, Steven Spielberg and and uh, uh, all of these, because they're all kind of part of the same, not just you know the Hollywood sort of thing, but they're actually like sort of that uh, that that uh, Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Ron Howard—they're kind mm-hmm. of all in this filmmaking family, right? So mm-hmm. I I I think that I I don't know I kind of I got the vibe from people because they talked about a lot of these directors, um, but not a lot of people were talking about Bryce Dallas Howard. I get the feeling that a lot of people are kind of sleeping on that one. I think that mm-hmm. she's actually probably got some of the best chops here because. Um, because she's kind of grown up steeped in it, and oh, then uh, maybe maybe one of the best ones here uh, uh, to talk about is Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok, as well as um, what we do in the shadows, and uh, one of my favorite movies from the last few years, Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, which is just a fantastic film. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do. Um, but first, foremost. Most importantly, uh, without further ado, drum roll, please. <laughs> Dave Filoni <laughs> yeah. is going to be making his live-action directorial uh, uh, premiere in the Star Wars universe. At least I don't know if he's done any other live-action. I don't think he has. Um, but yeah, uh, Dave Filoni coming to live-action, and uh, I mean. Well, I, I don't even know what else. I don't I don't think that to the audience that's listening to this podcast, I really need to expand on that anymore. Dave is responsible <laughs> yeah. for some of the best Star Wars in the last 15 years. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is a story yeah. about the Mandalorian. Yeah. And obviously that's going to tie into uh, the the really the fallout of the clone wars um we've got you know we've definitely got some some gaps filled in via star wars rebels but this is a real opportunity for them to show us what happens post rebels um Mm. what has happened and what's going to happen with mandalore right i mean like the last that we saw i i uh, Sabine was handing over the dark saber to Bo-Katan and, uh, and they were beginning in earnest their fight against the empire to, to retake Mandalore. Right. And to put it back in the hands of, of some proper Mandalorians. 
and uh, we don't know how that went. <laughs> we really don't have a lot of indicators of how that went. And uh, and this this lone Mandalorian out there in the galaxy, uh, the lone gunfighter, as he's been described by by John Favreau. We're gonna see what that's all about. We're gonna see where he fits into it. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I am beyond excited for this series. Um, I think I think that this will balance out Star Wars Resistance quite nicely. Um, and we'll talk about that when we get into the episode episodes, but, um, yeah, I mean, like I did, I don't know what, it, what, what do you, what do you have to say about, about this, this show? Well, um, yeah, you know, seeing that image, I, you know, Star Wars has a, has a way of doing this to me. Um, I wasn't super excited about seeing a Mandalorian story. Um, you know, Star Wars, <coughs> excuse me, to me is best. Uh, when it's Jedi and, and Sith and, and lightsabers, and that's just my favorite thing. It's always been, it always will be. But I got to tell you, when you hear about Favreau, who's pretty much behind this series, and it was great to see that picture uh, that he tweeted out, I think, of him and Filoni. And you're like, oh, what's going on there? Well, now we know. Uh, this, Like you said, Mike, I think this director's list is really what's exciting about this. Like, I, I thought like Filoni was going to be the one directing these and writing and everything, but it's, he's got all these. I mean, look at the, you, you, you laid out the list. It looks like Filoni's going to be doing a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Child's going to be doing a couple. Um, this Rick guy's doing a couple. And then Bryce Dallas Howard and Taika Waititi are each doing one. If you believe the slash film article that came out uh, a few days ago. Um, but man, just a powerhouse of directors and, um, Look at Filoni, obviously the guy who's been mentored by Lucas for over a decade now. And to see him come in, we all, like you said, Mike, you don't have to say anything. I think he's earned his shot. Uh, he's going to get a couple of TV shows to direct, and we'll see where he goes from here. But more than anything, I think I was super excited about Favreau and his director's list. And then seeing that image is like, okay. I'm on board now. Like I said, not a huge fan of the whole Mandalorian story arc in, in all the stuff like Clone Wars and Rebels. It was kind of like it was fine, but it just didn't excite me like the Jedi stuff did and, and the Force and all that. So but just seeing that image and, and seeing how gritty it looked. And like you said, we're going to get this. And, and who knows about Boba Fett? I mean, this is staged after Return of the Jedi. So who knows if. Yep. Boba Fett's not really a Mandalorian, though. He just kind of he's a clone and he's. You know, he has the Mandalorian look, but he's not he's not a Mandalorian. So I don't know. It's it's going to be a trip. And here's the only thing. Like, are we going to it's just going to be about Mandalorians or do is there a chance that we see Jedi in there? I don't know. You know, they're going to be out there. Obviously, uh, there's still a few of them left. If you believe the Vader comic, you're, you know, he's still he's still hunting them now. So is there a chance that we could see or maybe something like, you know, we got an episode two where you saw a Django fight. Obi-Wan, I mean, fantastic battle in the rain there on Camino. Um, is that something that they could bring? Not, not. I'm not saying Kenobi, yeah. but I'm just saying, you know, some wayward Jedi. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, but yeah, super excited about the image directors. Favreau. Favreau obviously has proven that he can do. Look what he did with Marvel. I mean, he's yep. 
I mean, is he the one that basically brought Marvel to where it is now? I mean, a lot of you could argue that that he's the one that did it. He's the one that kicked it off. Yeah, so. I, I think I think that him. I think that there's three people that are responsible for the current empire that is Kevin the Marvel Feige. Cinematic Universe. And yeah, it's Feige, Favreau, and uh, and Robert Downey Jr. I think that those yeah. though yeah. without w- any one of those three elements, I don't know if we are where we are right now with Marvel. Um, mm. Because, I mean, like, just look at The Incredible Hulk, right? It was the same time. Uh, it, and, and, you know, like, arguably some great creatives working on that as well didn't hit the way that Iron Man did, right? And I think that Favreau um, really having the vision to get Robert Downey Jr. in there, convince Robert Downey Jr. that it was the right thing to do. Not that I don't think it took a lot, but... Um, and and convince the studio that that you know this is the way to go. Um, and you have to remember that this is pre Disney when we talk about John Favreau and Marvel um, yeah. and with Iron Man and Iron Man Two. Uh, and then uh, yeah, so and when what he did with Jungle Book and he's doing with Lion King. I mean, um, the Lion King's going to be one of the movies that makes the most money next year, guaranteed, hands down. They're like. Oh yeah. Like don't even argue with me about that because you've <laughs> got um you got one of the greatest Disney animated movies of all time. You've got a director with a name in John Favreau. Um that's if you guys can hear that siren, that's on that's on my side here. Um that's uh, if you're driving your car, you, there's you don't need to look behind you. Um <laughs> Yeah. I uh, and then you've got uh, uh Donald Glover. I uh, who's going to be uh, in that as well right i mean he's he is simba so uh yeah i mean like yeah i that's gonna do really great things for disney as well and then uh and then here you go john favreau producing uh executive producing uh the the mandalorian and uh and obviously favreau is very close to this subject matter having played one of the most yeah. notorious mandalorians in canon um mm-hmm. as uh, as pre so um yeah i mean a, a, a character who's gone up against obi-wan kenobi uh who i uh, who who fought darth maul i i and <laughs> yeah. i lost um yeah i mean like this is a this is a character who's responsible for a lot of the Mandalorian history that we currently understand. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I think that, I think that, that Favreau has some really great ideas about what that means and what, where that's going to go and, and how that's going to connect into things. And, uh, and he's got a great eye and he's got, he has good intuition for actors and directors, obviously. I mean, like this, this team sounds great. So I, I don't know. I We could go on and on and on about The Mandalorian, but there's not really that much more to talk about. So let's just leave it kind of there and yeah. say that we are looking forward to it. I don't know what the, the Thunderquack uh, stance is going to be. On, not stance, but like what our what our game plan is, what our, what our plan of attack is for this yeah. show. Um, it obviously doesn't fall within Rebel Cells, uh, but... Um, we don't really do we we don't have an official announcement of how many episodes it even is right so no um, i you just keep hearing eight to ten yeah but not for sure netflix series type thing which i which which makes sense but um 
Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how we're going to cover this show. Um, we will cover this show <laughs> yeah. uh, one way or another. So I, I know I think that we got to kind of bring our Star Wars team together and figure out what that's going to look like and who's who's actually going to going to take the reins on that. Um, I got a lot of irons in the fire, so I don't know if it's going to be necessarily myself, but uh, I, I figure yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah we're definitely going to cover it. So stay tuned to Thunder Quack in general, but obviously we'll let you guys know when we have something to announce on that front. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, let's get into Star Wars Resistance. That's the reason why we're here. We've been talking for like half an hour already. We haven't even talked about Star Wars Resistance. So let's do that. (laughs) Let's get into it. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. You've got something special. I see it. I've got a mission for you. All right. Blend in. Find out who's loyal to the good guys and who isn't. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. You can work as a mechanic on my team. But when it comes to your mission as a spy, I don't want anything to do with it. Kasuda, good luck on tomorrow's big race. I don't need luck. Being an ace is not all fun and games. It can be dangerous. Just don't explode. What? Oh. You can't handle the hype. Woo-hoo! Follow my signal. There are a lot of dangers out there in the galaxy. When people are in need, we help. Line them up. Check this out. It's all in the wrist. It's all in your head. Welcome back to reality. Professionals, you say. I'm an ace pilot. I've battled pirates and marauders. Pirate strategies have been changing. What do you mean? They're better prepared. They have better equipment. I don't know how. General, the First Order is clearly making weapons. We're gonna need all the help we can get. You ready? Let's do this. I want this station completely destroyed. Showing up always means trouble. I knew you missed me. Here we go. Oh, this is exciting. I appear to be tingling all over. Okay, so here, yeah, here we go. Uh, this is our first episode of Star Wars Resistance. Um, I, it's you know, it's kind of hard to believe that it's here. Um, that kind of it kind of snuck up on me a little bit obviously i mean like i've been waiting 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 for it but uh, i'm very excited about it but uh but this uh this just kind of it just kind of i don't know i was in disneyland last week so yeah, that's probably were, a big were, part of fun. it <laughs> was that like it was yeah. my brother's wedding and then we were in disneyland and then we're yeah. back and now it's star wars resistance 
Um, and obviously next week is uh, uh, going to be um, Arrow, and then the week after that is going to be DuckTales returning. And so my November is going to be very crazy Packed. with all three yeah. shows running at the same yeah. time. But um, we're going to do things a little bit differently. StarWars.com doesn't really have a um, sort of scene-by-scene description um, like they have in the past with Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. So um, so Matt and I are going to... Uh, we're actually probably going to like pull back a little bit uh, for, for Star Wars Resistance and not quite go into as much detail with the with the recaps um this week's is actually going to be very sparse because we kind of got thrown a curveball when the episode recap or episode guide (laughs) went up and there's really not that much there um there's some great information there but there's not like uh there's like i said there's not like a scene by scene um the episode gallery doesn't have have the breakdowns that um that other stuff does so um but we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through and we're gonna talk about the major scenes and we're gonna talk about the episode in general the this season premiere which is a one hour season premiere. Um, but let's start off with the most important information, which is uh, the the writers and directors. Uh, so this one is uh, that first episode's directed by uh, Stuart Lee and Saul Ruiz. Uh, Ruiz Ruiz right? Ruiz Ruiz Ruiz. Yeah. Ruiz. I'm, I'm gonna go with Ruiz. Um, okay. I apologize for that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and written by Brandon Alman. Um, Stuart and, Lee is not a uh, is is definitely been entrenched in Star Wars before. Uh, yeah. Clone Wars and yeah. I, I, I want to say Rebels too, but I definitely Clone Wars. Definitely Clone Wars. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah. So um, I think we got some a lot of returning talent on this series. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of very signature Lucasfilm animation stuff in this first couple episodes. But uh, just before we get into sort of the breakdown of the episode, what were your overall feelings, Matt? How, how did you like it? Um, so here's the thing. Like, I knew that this was going to be geared towards um, a younger audience. I mean, everybody kind of knows that. They kind of That's kind of been the sentiment on... Uh, social media as of yesterday and today. Uh, And and I'm fine with that. I know this is going to be, like I said, geared not necessarily towards me, but I could still find things that are enjoyable about it. I can still follow along with the story. Um, It's Star Wars, so I'm definitely vested in it. Uh, It didn't blow me away, obviously. Um, Just my initial thoughts before we get into the recap here. Um, Didn't blow me away. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it was was fine. It was good. didn't like I said, wasn't great. I had there's a couple of uh, good moments for me, um, but you know, for a season opener, I know we kind of talked about this before we jumped on uh, proper here. Uh, I, I don't think it blew either of us away, yeah. but it's definitely setting up some some things, and we'll see where we go. Uh, and just kind of hoping for this thing to kind of ramp up as the season goes. So. Like I said, initially, I'm just going to say I wasn't blown away. It was fine. Uh, and I'll get into why as we get through the uh, the recap here. Uh, what about you, Mike? Yeah. Um, I don't want to sound negative because I do like the show and I am excited about what's coming. This premiere was a bit of a disappointment for me, though. Mm-hmm. I Just in the sense that for you know 45 minutes of 
screen time, there really wasn't a lot that happened. Um, mm -hmm. When we look at our breakdown here, this breakdown looks like a 22-minute episode. It doesn't look like... Right. It just doesn't. That it doesn't look it. like like the whole story to me. Um, I think that that there were some some. I think there were some choices to focus more on uh, the Colossus and that environment and establishing characters rather than setting stakes for this the series as a whole, and mm -hmm. uh, and and to me. Since you're not going to bring the First Order into it yet, you're going to sort yeah. of build towards that and you want to establish the Colossus first before you do that. The cherry on top of this uh, uh, Sunday needed to be the race. And the race to me was... Um, not enough? This is difficult to say because to me it was the best part of the premiere but it was also, yeah, it wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. So mm -hmm. as much as as much as every single aspect of this premiere had things that I liked, it was all, um, I don't know. There was just, there was just so much time that covered nothing <laughs> to me. Yeah, and I right. think that they really labored the the relationship between Kaz and uh, and um, uh, uh, is it Nico yeah Nico uh, yeah um, Niku Niku yeah like they just they spent a lot a lot a lot of time on that and they they made the same joke three times with him and the and the, you know like Kaz saying like oh I'm I'm I want to be the best pilot in the galaxy and then he's like oh he's the best pilot in the galaxy like they made that joke three times. And it progressively got Kaz into more and more trouble. And to me, it was like you could have you could have saved yourselves fifteen minutes of this episode of this premiere by having that escalate immediately, right? Mm -hmm. Like waiting for that to happen inside the bar and for it to immediately go from, you know, my goal is to be the best pilot in the galaxy. Oh, you're the best pilot in the galaxy? Hey, guys, this guy's the best pilot in the galaxy. And he's going, no, 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 I don't mean, like, I'm the best. I want to be the best. Like, I don't even know if I'm the best here because, like, I haven't even raced anybody here. And then he's like, oh, you want to race somebody here? Right? Like, yeah. I just did that in 30 seconds, I think, better than they did over the course of the episode because it was just, like, over and over and over. And they kind And then, like... We know you're not going to kill our main character in the first episode, so you can't set the stakes with him being threatened. That's it's not going to work, right? Like we're gonna nobody is going to take that seriously, um, except for maybe the very very young kids. So I think to me like that though that's kind of like the dynamic in which this episode the the, the series premiere kind of falls short for me. Um, the other thing is that. I uh, I really like all of the voice cast, except oh, yeah. for, yeah. Um, and it was, again I'm I don't want to sound too negative. It's not that I don't like uh, the voice actor that's playing Kaz. I'll bring up his name real quick here, Christopher Sean. Um, yeah, like I I think that he's a good fit. I think that that character is a good character, and I think that he's doing a good job. 
I just think that he's not comfortable in that character's skin yet. Hmm. Um, and I think that he doesn't really have a, a, a feeling for the tone of Star Wars yet. I will tell you, like, the, the scene that is by far the standout of this entire premiere for me and really, really works is the scene with Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan, uh, uh, Orca and Flicks, um, inside the, their, their, their junk shop or whatever. Um, they nail it. And that to me felt so star Wars and Flicks is like, I, Jim Rash, I always love Jim Rash. Like he's, he is probably one of my favorite sort of like comedic, uh, improv style actors out there. Um, I, ju- I, I just always love him and everything that he does. He makes such great choices. He's also on DuckTales as um, Gyro Gearloose, and he couldn't be further from this character of Flix. And, mm-hmm. I, and I love that because I, he has a very recognizable voice. He's instantly recognizable, but, um, but his characters are, are distinctive, and, and that to me is something that's, that's really great. Bobby Moynihan, similarly, he's also on DuckTales. He is Louie. He's one of the, the, the nephews. Like, he is in almost every episode. And he is my favorite of the nephews on that new series. Um, but his characterization of Orca is fantastic. It's just, like, he, he, does, he does such a great job. Um, yeah. Just that sort of New York kind of uh, mechanic... Uh, junk shop owner guy and then you know juxtaposed with flicks who's a little bit more of the like the like oh my kind of guy um <laughs> yeah and they kind of like buttoned up and buttoned down right and uh the, you you can tell that there's like an odd couple sort of relationship between the two of them but that like we're coming into season one of kaz's character uh but we're coming into like season nine of the two of them <laughs> is what i felt and 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 I think like the Colossus in general kind of felt like it, they did do a good job of making it feel like it was this lived in this environment where our character is coming in, you know, um, mid story, um, um, sort of, sort of, you know, like with everything kind of already in motion, but, um, but yeah, it, to me like has almost, huh, and I think that they're just going to have to work on this over the first season. Uh, he just kind of lacks dimension and he even, I think the biggest thing is that he just lacks edge. He just, he just really doesn't have, um, there isn't really a reality to the character that I relate to yet. Um, there's like a, there's like a kernel in there of his relationship with his father and what he says sort of towards the end of the episode where he's talking about like, well, I've always just had everything handed to me and right. my father thought that he was taking care of me, but what he was really doing was just trying to make me live his life. And, mm-hmm. and so like, there's sort of like a, there's like a non-admission in there of Kaz saying like, I really don't know how to fend for myself. Right. And that's what this series is going to be about. And it's kind of, it's going to be a coming of age and I'm excited to see that, but they also kind of, it's just a little bit too much of a slow burn on that. I, I really feel like he's going to have to mature quickly in order for me to start to appreciate the series. 
the other thing is that it's uh, there's there's a there's a part in I think it's in I just want to see I think it's in the recap um, where they describe Kaz as a character. Where did I see that? Where did I just read that? I just read that somewhere. Um, where they wanted Kaz's character. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, this is in the, the episode recap, or the episode guide on StarWars.com. Early notes mm-hmm. about Kaz's character describe him as like a bird hopping around clumsily on the ground, but put him in the air and he is awesome. Um, I didn't get that. I just didn't get that in this episode. Uh, and I think that that's where I go, like, you know, I feel like the race needed to be just a little bit more. Um, and and I think they're I think they've given themselves quite the challenge right off the bat of like, well, you got to make me really invested in sp- imaginary spaceships flying through rings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if this were a video game and I were in control, I think that that would work for me. But because it's staged and I kind of already know the outcome. Um, it's really like, like, again, it's just, it's just kind of about stakes. I don't really feel like, I don't feel like anything that Kaz got in this episode was earned. It kind of just kind of, it it was all kind of just thrown in his lap. Poe going like, Hey, you're, you got something special. I, I, I I don't know what that is, but I know that it's special. And it's like, okay, that's kind of a weird, you know, I, I contrived justification but all right it's poe dameron i'll <laughs> yeah. go with it um and then he gets there and and niku is immediately like hey i want to be your best friend so okay uh why and it's like uh i don't know because you're here um so we go through that and then uh and then by virtue of that relationship he's able to he's able to pull some other stuff off with with flicks and orca and um and and poe is able to smooth things out with with uh yeager and and it kind of just all kind of comes together a little bit conveniently for me but that said you know like we we gotta kind of get it all established there's a lot of characters it's a very i think this actually might be one of the bigger casts and we haven't even met all of them yet um Because we haven't even spent any time with any of the other aces, other than, other than um, um, the one I, I. Well, you have, you had they they talked about, um, uh, what's his name? Phase Phase on. Yeah, they talked um, about Phase on. Hype Phase on. Who is I'm telling you already right now favorite character in the series. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they uh, the Toradoza is the only one that really Toradoza spent time it, yeah. with. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, what they need to do in this first season to get me on board with this series 110%. Just throw Hondo in there. And honestly, <laughs> I just yeah, would have right. put Hondo in the first yeah. episode. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, and I would have made him a recurring character. <laughs> but I mean, like, there are characters in here that I really like. Jarek Yeager, I do actually really like that character and I want to know more about him. Um, mm-hmm. somebody spotted, uh, in, in sort of, uh, uh, what looks to be a family picture of his, that he may in fact be from Black Spire, um, which is the setting of Galaxy's Edge, the, uh, the, yeah, the Star yeah. Wars land and Disneyland and Disney World. That. Um, so that's really cool. I'm, I'm interested to see where that's going to go and how that sort of plays out. 
um, the fact that he may in fact be from Blackspire, or it looks like he's from Blackspire, means that he would in fact very likely have associations with Hondo Onaka, um, which would be great. Uh, and you know, my biggest my biggest hope for this series is that we can get Hondo and Poe Dameron in the same place at the same time, see what happens. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like that's sort of my overall for for this series premiere. And I know it probably sounds a little bit negative, but I will say that like when those ships are in the air, they look pretty good. Oh it's, yeah, it's pretty sure. cool. Yeah. I just want to see them do something other than fly in a straight line. Um, and I know in the next episode we will get to see that cause we're, we're going to see some pirates and stuff and there's going to be a little bit more combat to it. Um, and look, you can't, mm, you can, all you gave me, it's like you give me a burger and the burger's okay. It's a fine burger. It's a capable burger. It's, it's all right. Special sauce. But you got that red tie fighter. And that great Mando style uh, Phase One Stormtrooper uh, or Clone Trooper type yeah, pilot yeah. helmet, and this character and and sort of a mystery growing around him. All and he's like the he's like a nice hot sauce, right? Because he's red. He's just, <laughs> just say, he's makes me think of that. Sauce, yeah. yeah, he's got that hot sauce feeling to me. And yeah. I look at that character and I go, "There's something there. I want more of it. I want to know about this guy. I want to see what he's about. I want to see him in action." I want to see more. And all you did was put one single drop on the tip of the burger. And so it was like, I got one bite and I was like, well, that's delicious. And then I had to eat the rest of the hamburger, which is a little more on the bland side for my taste. So, you know, like, like let's get the first order in there. Let's, let's get these guys. I want to see that guy. I want to see, uh, the, the gold, um, I, uh, first order stormtrooper. Um, I want to know what these guys are about. I want to know why they're different from everybody else and what makes them special. Um, I just, I want to learn about those guys and, and you know me, like I'm not a bad guy kind of guy, right? But those designs on those first order characters just look so great that I'm like, let me see, let me get, just let me get, just let me get another little taste of that. <laughs> so so i don't know i think that maybe i went in with an expectation maybe that's what it is um or you know like i just what i did get that i really liked i was just disappointed because there wasn't more of it you know um there oh, wasn't yeah. there wasn't more poe dameron there wasn't more of the of uh, uh major von reg is the character's yeah. name um right. there wasn't there wasn't more of the aces, which like that was the first thing that really got me psyched for the series. Like really, really got me psyched for the series. I was interested and intrigued right from the get go. But when we got that video introducing all of the aces a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, oh, these characters look great. Um, Hype phase on. And then um, Steven Stanton's character, the uh he looks kind of like a biker, but he's a he's a former imperial officer, imperial pilot. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to know more about that guy. I wanna, you know, like like I like. There's some cool stuff, um, and that uh, and we really don't know anything yet about uh, about the um, the Keldor, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Plo Koon looking guy, um, right. who has the best looking ship. His ship is so great. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I want, I there, there's more to this series, I know, but in this first episode, they just, I don't feel like, 
I feel like they covered the wrong ground. We spent mm. so much time with that uh, with the big thug guy who runs the 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 frog shop. You know, right. it's like okay, but like, can we just like like let's let's go, let's go. I want to see these other characters. I want <laughs> I want more of this other stuff. But uh, yeah. I know we'll get there. I'm just being impatient, I guess. Yeah, no, I I think we we're both on the same page, and I think um, you know we're kind of being honest with this. We're not going to come in and. And I think we've always been like this with all the yeah. Star Wars yeah. stuff or we're coming in. We're not going to we're not going to lie about anything. We're going to we're going to say what we think and yeah. uh, and go through it. So well, and and, and I, it's unfair, but I'm going to compare this to Clone Wars and Rebels and I'm going to compare it to those shows at their best because this is your third time out and each show should be better than the last. And I mm-hmm. uh, and I know like. Again, I'm, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to put this as delicately as I can without, but I, you know, I'm a blunt person. I like to just say things. So, um, it is very obvious. It's very noticeable that this show is not Dave Filoni's focus. That it's not like the Clone Wars, which was like his everything. It's not like the beginning of Rebels, which at the time was his everything before he started working on other stuff. Um, and and the, getting the news that he is directing the premiere of The Mandalorian, which I mean, like to, for episodic television or not even episodic television, just television in general, to be the director on the premiere, which is essentially the pilot. I mean, The Mandalorian didn't get a pilot because it's Star Wars. So, you know, um, but uh, he's setting the tone and he's really like directing where that show is going, what that show is going to look like, what the tone's going to be and what like a lot of that stuff um, as uh, like as an episodic director on television, like like the, whoever does the first episode, the pilot, usually it, they usually do all that work. So obviously Filoni's attention is in that realm at the right. moment. Um, and, uh, and so he is an executive producer on this show, but I think that is him looking over at Justin Ridge and, and, uh, Amy Beth Christensen and saying like, you guys have been paying attention for the last 10 years, right? You got this, like you, you got this. Yeah. This and, is yours. <laughs> and so yeah. as much as it is their third time out, it's also the first time out for, for, for some people sort of, um, not to say like Justin Ridge has been, he's worked on Clone Wars. He worked on Rebels. Um, and he's a very accomplished uh, uh, producer. But in terms of like doing this without Filoni sort of thing, and I do, I like, you know, we, we do, we talked about it already. We hold Filoni in very high esteem. Um, he's responsible for a great many of the things in the last decade of Star Wars that we love. So he's the reason why Matt and I are still here talking to you guys about Star Wars. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, like that means a lot. I, uh, and I think that the feelings are probably similar inside Lucasfilm with the way that you hear people talk about Dave Filoni. So I think that it's going to take them a few episodes, if not the majority of the first season to really kind of like find, and this is the thing, this is, I think the most important thing. They have to not figure out how to do the show the way that Dave would have done it. They got to figure out how to do the show their way. And on the flip side of that, on our side, 
and this is like I'm gonna put this on myself and you, Matt, and 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 everybody listening to this. We have to figure out how to like this show differently from the way that we liked Clone Wars and Rebels. So I'm already contradicting what I said earlier, where it's like I'm holding this to that standard, but. At the same time, this isn't going to be those things. It's going to be a new thing. So let's let it be a new thing um, and not spite it for not being more of the thing that we already love and have. Because um, at the end of the day, go back and watch those things. They, you got, you, look, you got them on Blu-ray. You got them on Netflix. Go watch Clone Wars. It's, it holds up. We covered that this summer. Relax. Uh, go rewatch Rebels. It, like, man... Go rewatch Rebels. That's that's one of my biggest things to say to everybody right now is go rewatch Rebels. Start back at the beginning of that season of that series. Watch the first few episodes and go and then like think about where we got to by the end of it with Purgle and Thrawn and Ezra and the nonsense, um, the beautiful, wonderful nonsense that the end of that series was. That I just I still can't believe the series ended that way, but. Like think about that and where it started and and the and the evolution and the journey to get from one to the other, and then think about resistance and go okay, breathe in, breathe out, Whew, right? We're gonna be fine. This series is gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be great. And and um, I like I, <laughs> it's we're critical because that is what Matt and I are here to do with the podcast. Otherwise, if we just came on and just went. Star Wars is great. I love Star Wars. The episodes would be 15 minutes long and we'd be out, you know, and you guys wouldn't want to listen to that. So we're going to pick it apart. We're going to dig into it because we're going to find along with the things that we don't necessarily like or things that we we maybe don't agree with and decisions and stuff like that. We're going to find those nuggets where we're like, but this part, this part right here, this was fantastic. Right. So, you know, it's a balance. One, one does not come without the other. Um, and at the end of the day, Star Wars like pizza, right? There's no such thing as a bad piece of pizza. <laughs> still, right? a, even still, if it's terrible. It's dependent on the toppings, I think, right? Yeah. It's still yeah. a piece of pizza, right? <laughs> it's still a piece yeah. of pizza. So this is still Star Wars. Um, and, uh, and and that being said, it's still, like it was fantastic. I loved it. I was smiling at point i mean like the opening with the with the 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 astromech dome uh like that yeah, that fake yeah. out uh, it's like is that a planet is it a is it star killer base what is it and then and then but a loop it flips around and it's a and it's uh rz i think was was the droid um yeah and it was like okay cool that's what this show is <laughs> that's where we're going and <laughs> uh Let's get into it. Let's get into the opening battle. I'm going to read this little description. Yeah, here. Uh, the series opens up in space right into the action as Kaz and two other New Republic pilots uh, are in the midst of a dogfight with the First Order and Major Von Reg. Um, we don't really know if that's how it's Von Reg, Von Reg. We don't really know because we haven't heard his name said yet. Um, right. And we are introduced right off the bat to these new X-Wings. And it takes a second, right? I, I don't know if it was the same for you. T-85s, yeah. It was like, I was like, those don't, those don't look like T-70s. Those like, and I'm going like, they must be something like they obviously they've done their own thing. Um, and yeah, we, we did get confirmation in, uh, 
in a great new series, Buckets List, which is on StarWars.com and on the YouTube channel. Um, these are, in fact, uh, here I'll read this from the from the episode guide. The X-Wings in the opening sequence are the T-85 model, the latest version of the craft first introduced as the T-65 in the original Star Wars. The X-Wings seen in the Resistance are a slightly older model, the T-70. So these T-85s are the newest X-Wings. Um, and they're obviously done up in proper New Republic deco with the with the blues and the gold um, and uh, and black and uh, I I personally think they are quite ugly. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're and but I think I don't know. Like I I kind of like it. I kind of like that they are. Um, to me, they're a little overly designed. Um, they've got a little bit of that, that scoop on the front, like an old arc 170. Um, and then they've got like the fins on the nose and, uh, the, the, the wings are a little bit chunkier. They've got a couple more shapes in them than a, than a T65 or a T70. Um, and they just, they look a little bit bulkier. They look a little bit slower to me. Mm. Um, and they, it kind of tells a little bit of a story in my opinion about, the new Republic that does it look familiar? Does it look like the rebellion? Does it look like star Wars? Yes. But to me, there's something just a little bit off about them that, you know, what we know about the new Republic and the, the Senate in the new Republic and their reluctance to take the first order as a serious threat. Um, it kind of matches with this, with this new X-Wing that is clunky and um, can't keep up with this sleek, incredible-looking new TIE fighter, um, which I don't I don't know that we got. Uh, it, by my eye, it's just it looks to be like a first-order interceptor. Um, yeah. It looks a lot like a TIE interceptor, but it's mm -hmm. obviously this red and black deco, um, and there's some sort of like extra fins off the back of the wings. Um so it's a little bit different from an interceptor, um, and obviously it has a hyperdrive on it, which is a big difference. But um, yeah, I uh, that ship, I'm like more of this, less of the other things. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like like it's kind of I don't know. I feel like I feel like they were trying to tell a little bit of story with that, um, with the introduction of these new T85s. Um, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, you know, you'll watch and you'll see like a car go through these different, um, the Corvette's a really great example, right? The oh, Corvette yeah. starts off as this nice, small sports car with, uh, with just these great lines and that the, the nice, like sort of like, sort of like the metal. Um, so it kind of had like an all around bumper almost. Right. And then you get into, so the the seventies and the eighties, and you get into the the Stingray, which I think is the class, like like that is sort of like the iconic Corvette that most people think of when they think of a Corvette, mm -hmm. and then you get into the nineties, and it got bulkier and chunkier, and it sort of started to look a little bit like a like a door stopper, in my opinion. It just or a <laughs> hunk of cheese, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just kind of looks like a wedge of cheese, um, and it loses it lost like that sort of sexiness of the Corvette, which like Corvette's my favorite car. So this is why I can talk about it. Uh, I, I can't generally talk about cars, but 
And then the Corvette went away for a while. It just kind of disappeared. They, they really weren't making them. They weren't making new models. And, uh, and then it came back actually with Transformers, which is really funny. And they did a concept Corvette that they put into a Transformers movie. And it comes back and it's got like the angles and it's got those uh, like the, the really pronounced uh, rear wheel wells with the sharp corners on them just like the 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 old stingrays and it's got that really like smooth front to it and it was like okay cool they figured out what made the corvette cool they brought it back in a modern car mm-hmm. they did the thing right this to me the t85 to me feels like that 90s corvette where it's like ooh. You guys went the wrong direction with this. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't yeah. what this isn't what was great about the about the T sixty five, which is the classic, right? And then the T seventy right. uh, is is to me like that. Like I personally think the T seventy is like your Corvette Stingray from the seventies, uh, and then this one's your nineties one. And it's like okay, well the next iteration from from Incom after they realize that uh, that the T eighty fives were too bulky, they'll go back to the T sixty five. And 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 the T seventies and they'll go okay what made that really great and they'll right. they'll keep some of the cool stuff like the split wing but they'll they'll trim it back down to mm-hmm. to the um, to that fast a maneuverable ship that it needed to be right yeah. so I don't know well, wasn't there a, or another or it's just a new Awakened? design and I'm just I'm just being silly but sorry go ahead <laughs> but, what, but wasn't there a, another design in the Force Awakens didn't they jump to the I'm guessing I want to say 95, but no, no, that's that... the T70. That's the that's 70. The, okay, yeah, that's, that's right. the T70 that the Resistance uses. Right. Is okay, the, right. Yeah, like which looks very much like a T65. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, by the numbering, you can tell like there are several models between. And I imagine I kind of imagine that these jump. That I don't think that they go one by one, right? Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, like the T eighty five, I think is much more advanced than the T sixty five, but uh, but the T seventy is not that much more advanced than the T sixty five because the yeah. rebellion was getting them as sort of like hand me downs, right? Um, right? As we saw all over Star Wars Rebels, they 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 were constantly stealing ships and getting them sort of gifted to them almost. Um, <clears throat> And then the resistance works in the same way where they're using old models, but it doesn't matter because they have the best pilots in the galaxy. Um, but yeah, these T-85s are like fresh off the, the assembly line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you look at it and you go like, uh, it's kind of yeah, like how I mean, all cars right. now are kind of bubbles. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like every four door kind of looks the same. There's not really yeah. a lot of character out there these days. So I feel like right. this is very similar to that where it's like, yeah, it doesn't have the same pizzazz that uh, that the classics had. It's mm-hmm. a little bit. It's a. It's a, there's just I, for my eye. There's too many lines, and part no, of that's the deco. I think that if you removed the paint um, and you went back to a more simplified rebellion paint scheme, it'd probably look a lot better. But um, yeah, there's kind of there's there's a lot of stuff. It, to me, it's uh, it's it's overly designed. But I I I don't know. I think that that's intentional. I think that they were going for something with that. Yeah, you know, it, it, talking about this opening battle, I, this is one of the highlights for me, actually. Uh, yeah. I love the way this thing opened up. You know, we got, we're got we talking six months before the events of The Force Awakens. 
Uh, and you got this really cool, like I said, jumps into this this dogfight. You got three, uh, this the New Republic right now. We're talking about the New Republic, like you mentioned, Mike, and and this uh, Major Vaughn rig. And uh, yeah, I just I was in with this super. This I mean, here comes Poe Dameron, and and Kaz does this move with his with his X wing. It's kind of like Poe esque in the Last Jedi, where yeah. he kind of. He does this kind of break thing, and he and he turns, and then the other two go into light speed, and then he's taking on, uh, you know, Major Vaughn right here. So, um, yeah, I, I was totally in on this opening. I think this is, like I said, one of the highlights. I mean, talk about a way to open, you know, open up with space battles, pretty pretty darn cool. So I was in on that, and uh, um, they're delivering. So the the plan here is they're delivering a secret intel to mm. the resistance. The New Republic is doing that. To the resistance. That's why uh, Poe Dameron shows up to, to help out at the last minute here, and he does his thing. So you know, hearing Oscar Isaac in here just yeah. adds that. It just adds that that touch that you need. And I can't wait to hear some of the other voice casts that are going to be coming back, like Gwendolyn Christie as uh, Phasma. So we'll we'll get there in the next few episodes. But um, then we jump to Mike. Uh, we get to, onto the Corellian Corvette uh, on board the Corellian Corvette. Poe. A Cor- I don't know which one it is, just a Corellian Corvette. Poe asks Kaz if he would like to join the resistance. Uh, so while looking around, Kaz interrupts Poe talking to a hologram of Leia. So we get our first entrance, uh, our first scene with Leia here. She doesn't speak, but we just see her. And we see that these two, uh, even before the Force Awakens, they have this relationship, her and Poe. And yeah. then after speaking with his dad, Kaz tells Poe that he's all in on the resistance. He wants to be, he wants to help. He wants to be a pilot and all yeah. that. So a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, the Corellian Corvette, uh, even Poe talks about it. He says, this thing has been in service since the Battle of Scarif to the Battle of Jakku. So this thing has seen uh, its share of um, some some battle here. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then we find out that Kaz, his father, is was a senator. And, and I think you mentioned this earlier about Kaz. This is a guy, this is a different kind of character where he kind of, he's grown up kind of with a silver spoon maybe. Yeah. Um, as different than than like a Ray and a Luke who grew up, you know, kind of on their own or not on their own, but, you know, as farmers and, and, and Ray was on her own. So a yeah. different take, Mike, as far as yeah. Kaz is concerned. Well, and, yeah. Can and get that vibe too? He, yeah. um, I think that, I think one of the ways to look at Kaz is I think that he's the flip side to Finn's character. Um, mm, where yeah. Finn is... Finn has never known anything but the First Order, right? Uh, he's young enough that, that like, the First Order has, has always existed. Um, and for Kaz, the Rebellion is a legend, right? Which is very yeah. similar to, like, like Rey and, 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 and those characters. But Rey didn't really grow up in the Rebellion. Rey grew up in – or in the New Republic. She grew up in the Outer Rim, right? Mm-hmm. So here's Kaz, uh, I, who – yeah, he's his father is a senator, um, and he's he's sort of been given everything um, handed to him. Uh, had everything handed to him. He's he's grown up in the New Republic. He's never known. He doesn't. I don't think he understands what the rebellion fought for, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, the Empire never existed for him, right? It's just a it's just a thing from stories. So I think that that is an interesting dynamic. I think that Poe is just that little bit older that that he's um, – and because his parents were both 
rebellion heroes. Oh yeah. That sure. that it's a little bit more real for him. And then obviously he joins in the fight and he's been in it for a little while at this point. But but Kaz's story is actually following Poe's story very closely, where Poe was a New Republic pilot that was essentially recruited by Leia to come in and, you know, and end up becoming his, her ace pilot, right? Her number one go-to guy. Um, yeah. uh, and I think that Kaz is is going to have a similar sort of trajectory where it's like Poe is doing for Kaz what Leia did for him. Um, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this series plays out. If it starts six months before The Force Awakens, is it going to run into The Force Awakens and then The Last yeah. Jedi and then yeah. Episode Nine? And like, how is that... And I, I don't know. I think that that's really interesting that these things are so closely tied together. Yeah. Um, right. Or does this series have a shorter lifespan than some of the other series that we've seen? And it's only going to be one or two seasons um, yeah. before they move on to the next thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very interesting. But my hope is that what we see is the events of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi coincide very closely with the end of this season beginning of the second season mm-hmm. and then obviously the new republic oh, sorry not the new republic the resistance forces are decimated in the last jedi where are they going to find a bunch of new fighter pilots <laughs> right well like, yeah. how are they how is the resistance going to build itself back up well kaz has this whole this whole group of fighter aces that are going to rally mm-hmm. to the cause, right. That he's yeah. going to bring to the cause. And we're going to see him and Jaeger, uh, sorry, Jaeger and uh, uh, the, the aces with Torah and, and hype and, and, and all of those characters um, all eventually join up and, uh, and for uh, the Colossus to become like a, a, a bit of a resistance base in the mm-hmm. fight against the first order. And I could see that being something that not necessarily ties into the movies, but that plays alongside the movies so that like, cause think about it. Season two is going to be coming out and airing in the lead up to episode nine. Right. right. Kind of yeah. perfect timing, right? That's kind yeah. of exactly in that window for them to be like, and what happens in resistance matches up with what happens in episode nine right like towards the end of the season maybe because they don't obviously don't want to give anything away for for episode nine on the tv series but now they have an opportunity for these shows to actually sync up for the for them to very tight together um yeah so now do how do we know that this is six months before do we where do we get that from i think it was just i've seen it as far as like promotional okay um as far as I, th- <coughs> excuse me, might have been. I know that I know that it definitely it. takes place after the Poe Dameron comic, mm-hmm. um, or what I saw was up. I don't remember how many issues the Poe Dameron comic was, but it's up to issue twenty-five. Take place and then Star Wars Resistance happens, and then the Force Awakens, etc. Mm-hmm. So um, I haven't actually finished Poe Dameron yet, which. Which is a, I'm terrible. I'm a bad person. Uh, I think I'm I think I'm on like issue like 21 or 22, but I need to go to my comic shop and pick up the last few, because um, yeah, I know that it's done now. But um, yeah, uh, 
Do we want to jump into well, the next next part? Or? Yeah, I just I'll just say that the last thing we kind of learned too in this is that Poe is talking about how there's attack being planned by the first order. They're just not sure like when it's going to happen, yeah. how it's going to happen, yeah. or, or anything like that. So that's kind of kind of like the gist of but we do of what's going on. <laughs> we yeah we obviously we do. know exactly uh, what they're working towards. <laughs> yeah, so we get into uh, Mike the the bar scene. Uh, you want to yeah. set this one up? Yeah, uh, Poe, BB-8, and Kaz arrive on Castellan, and a super tanker, fuel depot, uh, sorry, Castellan, yes, sorry, this makes sense, I read this wrong, Castellan and, Castellan and a super tanker, fuel depot, named the Colossus, obviously, the Colossus is on Castellan, um, Kaz is introduced to Niku, and taken to the bar, where he meets Aunt Z and Jarek Yeager, um, yeah, I, so this is really our introduction to to our home base for the right. series. Uh, this is our new Lothal um, water planet, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and the Colossus is this massive ocean platform um, and and uh, fuel depot. Uh, so there's kind of ships coming and going, but it's it, like most notably, it's got these races going on. Uh, yeah. Well, they also talk about how it's a hangout for ex-Empire and Rebellion pilots, which is yeah. interesting, uh, you know, used for racing and uh, yeah. and gambling. So Yeah, um, and this yeah. kind of ties into some of the stuff that they established in Aftermath with Han Solo and sort of his um, – uh, actually, maybe it wasn't Aftermath. I guess it was um, – what was the Leia book? Blood Oath? Is that the Leia? Bloodline? Bloodline? Yeah, Bloodline. Yeah. Um, so they sort of established that like Han gets very involved with this racing circuit. And uh, I don't know if Castellan is on the circuit or if the Colossus is part of the circuit, but um, but Han becomes a racer and then eventually kind of becomes a bit of a like a race manager coach sort of mm-hmm. thing. He's got a uh, he has like a race team. Um, so they're kind of building out that part of the galaxy. It's like this is what what do you do in peacetime, right? Like how do you how do you keep the the story going when the war is kind of on the back burner and sort of in the fringes? So um, one thing that you do is you take all of these highly trained pilots who existed because of this this long war, uh, and uh, and and you sort of relocate them to uh, sports, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, and they become athletes, and 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 uh, uh, that sort of spawns another generation of of um admirers who become who become racers themselves so that's kind of where we are now at this point and castellan is is obviously one of these places where uh the rebellion and the empire are kind of at peace with one another and and uh but uh i the fighting is sort of transformed into something else right yeah and uh, and obviously, I mean, like this is Star Wars, right? So what would Star Wars be without without a cantina type setting? And exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> so we we go into the the bar into Anzis and uh, yeah, find out that this is like the hub for uh, gambling and uh, and and this is kind of where all the troublemakers hang out. Yeah, it kind of um, reminded me of like a, a most icy type of situation where this is a place where you kind of keep to yourself. Um, you know, you don't yeah. kind of cause a lot of trouble. There's a lot of riffraff going in and out. So um, they definitely set that up as far as this this cantina on Colossus. And 
you know, it, it gets into this, you know, they're doing, uh, Kaz is playing darts and all of a sudden this, this bar fight erupts. And it was kind of funny because, it, you know, in bar fights, they kind of played it out on this, in the show here too, as well. It's like, you know, there's stuff flying all over the place. There's stuff being thrown. There's fights going on. And then you always have that one drunk guy at the bar that it doesn't even phase him. And he kind of just sits there and he kind of just like keeps drinking his, his ale or whatever. And while this crap is going on behind him, it's kind of funny to see that. It, it kind of rings true because I've seen that plenty of times uh, in, in bars. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just, I thought that was kind of funny to see him. the one guy just kind of, yeah, whatever. It's just normal. This is a normal thing for this thing. You know, fights break out. You just kind of go along with your business if you're not involved in the fight. So that's kind of funny. Um but anything else as far as this bar scene? I mean, it sets up a couple of things with Poe and 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 Yeager. You know, he's talking about how Poe's talking about the rise of the First Order and and the Resistance. But Yeager or Yeager doesn't really want to part in it. He just kind of wants to do his own thing. And and Poe is talking about like he's trying to fight for the future and against the First Order. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Yeager if he gets pulled into this or if he stays kind of like the the side character. Obviously, he's helping with Poe. Uh, it, kind of watching over for Kaz, but we'll see if he gets pulled in deeper as this series goes on. Uh, anything else with the bar, Mark? No, yeah, I, I think that's basically it. I mean, like, they kind of, they spend a lot of time establishing this in the show, but uh, I don't know that there's a lot to really talk about. It's, it's an yeah. environment we know really well from Star Wars. So yeah. it's like most Eisley Cantina, it's like Maz's, it's like, you know, anywhere that we've been like this before. So, yeah. Um, obviously each one kind of has its own flavor, but, uh, this one is, is all about the races and Kaz gets himself into a lot of trouble and then ends right. up, by uh, ends up challenging someone to a race or challenging basically the whole platform to a race. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and this is the section where Kaz kind of agrees to, to race and is, is actually given, uh, the Fireball, which is a ship that Yeager's had around. It's kind of a, you know, it's the typical hunk of junk uh, that they're going to try to fix up. Uh, Niku has a common dream to be a part of one of the re- races, uh, part of one of the aces and all the perks that go with it. Kaz watches as uh, Hype Faison shows his skill and wins. There's a race going on and, and Hype Faison wins this particular race. So Kaz is watching this along with the rest of the people on the Colossus. Uh, and Kaz selects uh, to race Tora Doza. So we get introduced to Tora Doza and a Yeager gives him the fireball to race with. So um, we get it set up. He gets a choice of five people to race, one of them being hype phase on him, and he chooses the last one, which is Tora Doza. Uh, we get in, introduced to her and uh, we see the fireball. It's kind of uncovered in um, Yeager's garage. And uh, again, it needs, he lists, I don't know what, five or six different parts that this thing needs and it's like obviously the you know the hunk of junk that he needs to kind of fix up um but uh, anything you wanted to anything i missed there as far as uh, the fireball and him agreeing to race and all that mike uh, yeah well i mean like the the fireball is obviously not a, a great ship to to be gifted but i i you know i it's got character. Uh, I like. I I really like it. I think it's a great looking ship. It's kind of got that yeah. X-wing feel to it. Um, yeah, it does. But uh, it's kind of a bit of a headhunter, a Z ninety five headhunter. So yeah, I don't know. Like I like I I like the idea that each racer has their ship, and their ship reflects their character. And uh, 
the fireball is a bit of a fixer upper. There's a, it's got a long way to go before it'll be, uh, I, you know, the hero of the show. Um, and as compared to some of the other ships, it's obviously it's rough around the edges. And I think that that really reflects on Kaz as a character. Um, and that there's going to be this great duality, uh, not duality. It was sort of synchronicity between the characters and their ships and, and what we're going to learn about them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we all, we also get introduced to, uh, Tam, the mechanic, uh, another yeah. part of, uh, Yeager's team. And, and also to mention too, as far as the aces, uh, one of the perks of being an, uh, quote unquote ace is you get to live in, I believe it was called the Doza tower. And, uh, it's this place yeah. on, on the Colossus. It's kind of, I want, I guess you'd say it was some kind of a penthouse or something like that, where it's real high up and obviously a bunch of perks that go with being in one of these penthouses. So that's kind of like the, the dream to, to get up in that Doza tower. And, and this race too, that we see first with high phase of winning, we get also the voice of Greg Proust. Mike, you know him very well. Obviously, yeah. uh, Star Wars fans are going to know him as I believe Foe in the Phantom Menace. Uh, and he announces just like he kind of does in, in the Phantom Menace. It kind of sounds the same, but definitely recognizable voice of Greg Proust. So it was kind of cool to see him, back in uh the star wars universe so uh yeah for sure ahead. you want to say anything mike anything else no no let's uh let's let's jump into the next part which i already talked about a little bit the yeah. acquisition center one of your, one of your favorite uh, parts it sounds like huh yeah uh orca and flicks run the parts center on the colossus after collecting all the parts niku tells kaz he has to pay uh kaz, kaz obviously doesn't have any money to do that with um in exchange orca calls it even for a gorg to eat so uh this is one of those places where i said like you know like kaz doesn't really earn this uh mm-hmm. this is niku sort of calling in a favor but with orca and flicks true right and saying like hey we've been friends a long time uh we need these parts and so orca sort of uh, uh shows his better side and kind of says okay fine i'll put you together something so that you can do what you need to do um just go get us some lunch and I, I, and that sort of leads into a whole, to me, a subplot that really doesn't need to be in the episode. I would have rather had them deal with this. Um, I don't know. I would have flipped this a little bit. I would have had Kaz be flush. I would have just given him resources um, that, uh, that, that nobody else on the Colossus has. Um, other than maybe like Tora, who's her father is the captain of the Colossus, right? Or Cap- Captain Doza, I think it is. Um, he's like the administrator of the Colossus. So I would have him come in and I would make that like a point of contention between him and a lot of the other racers and everybody else is like, oh, here comes Moneybags. His father's a senator, blah, blah, blah. And he can just come in and he just pays for parts. And it's like everybody else has to kind of like work for their parts or they got to race for parts or whatever. Um, and here comes Kaz and he can just pay for them right off the bat and have that be a lesson for Kaz to learn that like, Oh, I don't, this isn't my money. This is, I'm just using, right. Like that sort of thing. So to have him come and then I would have taken the time that they spent on that subplot of him going off and the whole Gorg thing, I would have used that to put towards the race and make the race a little bit more interesting. But, um, yeah. Well, also Kaz, he, as far as the Gorg thing goes, he he kind of he uh, I can't remember the big muscle bound dude's name, but he says, hey, you know, you give me this Gorg and when I win, 
I can kind of promote your, I, I guess, store or whatever. He says you can. Did he say something about putting stickers on his on his? Yeah. On his, uh, something like that. To where like, hey, now he's knee deep and like he owes this guy. He's paying Peter to pay Paul, or what? You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, robbing Peter so, to pay Paul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in a sense, but but it so also that's... it also just comes way too quick. Where he's like, "Hey, uh, but what if I did this?" And yeah. uh, and then he goes, "No, yeah, okay. I was I was about to kill you. I was about to murder you and throw you off of the platform. But um, but yeah, okay. Instead, I'll I'll let you take this. But I yeah. mean, I imagine that those gorgs are probably not like it's probably like buying like a lobster or something like that, right? Like they're not. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. not talking about about a crazy amount of money. You're talking about like a meal, right? Like a, a an expensive meal, but a meal. Um, yeah. So it's like okay, well, I'll give you the gorg, and then you, yeah, blah blah blah. Um, but and, uh, and one thing, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, no, go ahead. no, you go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you mentioned the especially the the. Bobby Moynihan and is it Jim Rash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and those two, I think I think that was again. You mentioned it how those two work so well together, and I think it's because well, one of the reasons is Moynihan. I mean, he's got his chops in Saturday Night Live for the last what seven eight years, um, steeped in in kind of pro- he probably writes some of the stuff there, and obviously he's, a, he's so funny in that show, uh, in the improvisational skills that he's built up over time uh that's just unnatural for these two to be so as far as the voice acting goes they were probably killing it you know and it's he's definitely got the background for this kind of thing so and i think yeah. you said he's in ducktales too as well yeah yeah they're both on ducktales so um, like i imagine that what they do is they go in and they do their ducktales session and then they they literally like just stay there and then the directors switch out and they okay we're going to do your scenes for for uh resistance because they're supporting characters, right? They are not, they're like, um, obviously being Louis, Bobby Moynihan is a main character on DuckTales. Gyro Gearloose is in a few episodes. He's not in a lot, but, Mm -hmm. um, but in Star Wars Resistance, it's sort of been said that they're not, these are not main characters. I don't think they'll be in every episode. Um, so I think they probably like knock their stuff out real quick, but, but I think the benefit, like there would be a real benefit to have them, in the in the studio together which hopefully they can do um mm-hmm. yeah because that that the way that they play off of each other but flicks i just love that character i love the design i love the the performance both the vocal performance and the animation for the character like he just he, he just feels the thing about flicks is that i can see him as a puppet in jabba's palace with like those long legs and everything, yeah. kind of the way that he yeah. moves. But obviously, as animation, he gets to be a little bit more fluid, a little bit more involved. But, but yeah, like I really like I just see that character as a Star Wars character. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really like that that design. I like the characterization. Yeah, Orkin flicks, man. That's uh, that was pretty good, pretty cool on the acquisition story. Then we get to the main, the main thing here. We got race day. Yeah. Uh, before the race, yeah, Yeager tells Cass he doesn't need to win. He has a mission that's more important. Uh, the race begins, and whoever, basically, whoever makes it through the final loop first wins the race. Uh, obviously, Kaz, he really wants to win, but Yeager just wants him to. He even says this: "I just want you to survive the damn thing." Because, yeah, you know, he's got the ship that's kind of he pushes it. Kaz obviously pushes this ship to the brink, and it starts to break down on him. Uh, he's actually doing pretty pretty well. People are surprised at his at his skill. Um, 
but uh, you know ultimately ends up losing. But this thing obviously has this huge pod race feel to it, Mike. Even some of the sound design, uh, you hear different sounds from the pod race in episode one. So definitely call back to that. I really got the this huge pod race mm-hmm. vibe. Uh, what do you think yeah. about racing? Yeah, I like I said um, earlier, like like this is my favorite part of the episode. But I wanted more, and I wanted yeah. I wanted more conflict. I wanted more sort of uh, uh, jockeying for position. I just I don't know. I know it was a one on one race, so I think that probably had something to do with it. It was a little bit yeah. There was a little bit less to do, but um, yeah, I just wanted more. I just and that's not to say that it like it was bad. Like it was a good. I wanted more of the good thing. Mm-hmm. So. So that to yeah. me is sort of the thing is like, oh, I really liked it. I wanted more of it. I wanted to see, you know, um, and one of the things that I think they need to do in the future and hopefully they, they get this figured out later on, but they really need to come up with a language and, and a rule set for the way that racing works and the way that the ships work. Um, I don't feel like they explained enough about what was happening and how Kaz was dealing with things. Um, if, He's going to be flying the ship and it then something happens and say, Oh, I pushed it too hard. I want to understand what he's doing to solve that problem. And I will point to like you you brought up the pod race. I will point to one of the best things that they do in the pod race is that visually they never explain it. They never tell you what Anakin's doing, but you watch him do it. You watch like the, the, the one pod starts to flare out. So he goes, okay, he takes the thing, he unclips it here. He clips it over here. And then you look at the readout screen and you see the power go and it like flows down from one into the other. And then like he, he shuts the vent, kills the fire, opens it back up, redistributes the power again gets it humming and then hits the throttle and goes and you're like okay i know what he did right i understand how anakin just solved that problem while he was flying the pod racer and that's why that's cool that's why anakin is good at that right because it's because i get it i understand where what he was doing where he's coming from with this it's like kaz is okay things catch on fire as i don't know what to do Uh, he doesn't really do anything it just kind of just kind of all goes to crap right in the future i want to see them play that i want to see them like like have him go like okay i need to get more power out of this i'm gonna cut power to this thing and go through this and then go oh you can't do that if you do that you're gonna go through this thing and it's gonna do the thing and it's okay but but just trust me i know the ship can take it sort of thing right Mm -hmm. um and just have them sort of like create those scenarios to show us that it's not just about the ship being faster but that kaz is a is a good pilot and being a good pilot is not just about doing a loop. It's not just about doing a barrel roll. It's about being in tune with your ship, sort of being one with, with, you know, like it's like when I think of Poe and I think of the way that he flies, Poe Dameron is his X-wing. They are one in the same. Right. And when he, threads the needle in Starkiller base and, and goes in through that opening and flies around the inside of the, 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 um, Oh, I can't think of it right now. The oscillator, the thermal oscillator, and then back out and like no pause, no hesitation. None of that. It's like, well, that's because Poe Dameron is one of the greatest pilots in the galaxy. He is the greatest pilot in the galaxy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, no one else could pull that off. Uh, except for maybe a Jedi. 
And and like that's what I want to see. I just want to see stuff like that. I want I want that understanding yeah. to be there, and I want Kaz to be. He can't be better than Poe. Let's let's establish that right now. Poe is the top of the pile. No one gets to be better than Poe. But at least not in this era. Maybe later in the future we can have somebody be better than Poe. But I yeah, like like this is like they just need to I think they just need to to focus a little bit more on the racing and on the piloting and it really needs to be an important part of the show. Um, I think it will. Yeah. Be. I, I I think I'm. It, a it's too late for them to do anything about it now because these episodes are in production and etc. But um, like this is all bad advice. Too late. But um, I. But yeah. Like I I I hope. I guess what I should say is that I hope that in the future these are the things that they're going to do. This is the direction that it's going to go, and that they they are agreeing with me and learning these lessons alongside. Us. <laughs> yeah, I think I liked what you said about Poe and, and how in tune with with his X Wing is because like even in look at, at Tokadana when he takes out what is it nine Tie Fighters and some, yeah and some Stormtroopers all in just a sequence there is just one of the, one of my favorite uh, moments in the Force Awakens was that so I, I think that would be kind of cool to see that and, and maybe Kaz kind of going in that like you said he can't be better than Poe but uh, find his way to 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 being sort of like that. Yeah. I, I totally understand where you're going with that. But, um, so race day ends, you know, he, he crashes, but he wakes up, everything's fine. Um, we get to the, uh, I guess we, I guess you can call it kind of a sort of an epilogue, kind of like a after credit scene type of thing. Uh, uh, with the four starter, Mike, you want to, you want to finish it up here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Major Von Reg returns to the first order and Starkiller base is seen in the background in construction. So you can see that there's some sections yeah. of it that are still being yeah. built. So um, this thing's not operational, I'm assuming, yet. Yeah, not yet. But uh, we see a few Star Destroyers and First Order Star Destroyers. And uh, uh, yeah, so it's very interesting. Very, very interesting. See how this is going to play out. Yeah, I, I, and I like the way this, I guess, this bookend of this episode. I, I enjoyed both, like, the beginning. And I, I love uh, how they kind of incorporate the end here and possibly setting up obviously what we're going to see later on in the series. So, um, and that's what I love star Wars when, and, and shows like this, when they bring in elements from, uh, you know, the main stuff, the, 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 the main saga stuff, and even some of the standalone stuff, if, uh, when they bring that stuff in, it's when it really kind of fires for me is kind of having those two world, you know, with the, with the, um, animation stuff and the live action stuff when they can put those two together. I kind of like that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's it, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, yeah. um, decent, uh, didn't blow us away or anything like that. And, I just, well, I just want to we'll say see. one, one, one thing yeah. about the race. One last thing about okay. the race. Yeah. If, if Kaz had a better ship, he would have won. He would have won. Oh yeah. And I think that's really important yeah. to note. And I think that that's something that kind of gets kind of gets swept under the rug, and Torah kind of like gives him crap, and it's like I'm really glad you survived. I'm really glad you didn't blow up. And it's like, hold up, Torah, you were about to lose. <laughs> if yeah. if not for the fact that you have, and I think that there's going to be a really interesting story there in the sense that like Torah is a very similar character to Kaz, and that I'm pretty sure she's being given everything. You look at the ships; she has the nicest ship. Hands down, the nicest ship yeah. out of any of the racers. Um, modeled after a, a, a Ford GT, I think. 
um, when you look at it right down to the paint scheme and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very obvious to me that like Kaz is the better pilot, and they're all going to learn this over the course of the season. They're like, oh wait, this kid is actually he is actually the best pilot on the Colossus, and he's going to live up to all of those things that Niku was saying about him. Um, and eventually, the Colossus is going to come to rally behind him, and and they'll fight the First Order together. I think, but uh, like that feels to me like the evolution of this series. But then it becomes about protecting the Colossus and, and keeping people safe and doing the right thing and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, want, I don't want anybody to think that, like, or to take pity on Kaz. He, he, if he had a better ship, if he wasn't flying a piece of junk that they put back together <laughs> that night yeah. and that is known, it's notorious for, like, if he was in his X-Wing, he would have won. Right. So, so we'll see. We'll see how this stuff plays out in the future. But uh, yeah. But then that cat, that that epilogue, that sort of teaser at the end. It's like, come on, let's get to that. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with yeah. You there. So uh, I guess that's it, huh? That's the first episode, man. Wow. Yeah. Starting that's off. that's our that's our first episode of Star Wars Resistance. Our first two, really, because it's an yeah. hour special, yeah. um, special premiere. I uh, I mean like like I said I'm we're hard on it but I did actually enjoy it quite a bit. Kara really likes it. We watched it together right, this morning and she enjoyed it quite nice. a bit. She was very happy to see BB-8. And I <laughs> uh, um I'm I'm just excited to see what's going to be next. I want to I want more. I just want more. It's Star Wars. Yeah. I always want more. But like let's like let's get going. Like let's okay, we've established everything. Let's get cooking. Let's uh let's let's see what's up. So yeah. Um, that last trailer that they released last week, I, I, I mean, come on. There's lots of good stuff coming. There's lots of oh, really sure. good stuff coming. Sure. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited for more Star Wars Resistance. I hope all you guys listening are excited as well. Um, we will also be doing regular episodes of Forces of Destiny recap alongside our regular episodes of Rebel Cells. Um, so look forward to that. Look forward to actually uh cassie's episode might be up before this one goes up so um so yeah i keep listening to everything thank you guys um as always uh, oh wait before we get into the outro i the the episode description for the next episode so next week's episode is uh let me just go back here the triple dark Dark. kaz and bb8 uncomfort information on an imminent pirate attack and must find a way to stop it. So look forward to that one. Uh, pirates, could Hondo have something to do with this? No, not Ooh. as far as we know. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie is is um, on the IMDb for this one. Uh, so so hopefully that means that she's going to show up next week. Yeah, let's hope cool. so. Let's hope so. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, that does it for this episode. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm starting to lose my voice. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. Uh, uh, is that, is that, I've, man, I am like, I'm so out of, yeah, rebelcells.com. <laughs> I doubted myself for a second there. I was like, is the word podcast not in there? Um, yeah, no, it is. It's rebelcells.com. 
uh, uh, for all the latest Star Wars animation news, as well as episodes about uh, Star Wars Resistance and Forces of Destiny and, and uh, other stuff in the future. Um, of course, you can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at arkwolf, A-K-R... <laughs> at A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Man, oh man, I haven't podcasted <laughs> in over a month. Get dust off the cobwebs. Oof, huh? oof it's rough stuff. <laughs> uh, and you can follow Matt at the Crankster. That is Crankster yes. with a K. Um, yes. And, uh, and uh, uh, of course, you guys know we are part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other great podcasts in the network. Uh, and if you want to support us, you can do that two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some awesome merchandise. You can pick up t-shirts, mugs, uh, pillowcases, pillowcases, pillows, throw pillows. I don't think they have pillowcases, but, uh, all sorts of stuff over there, uh, on our red bubbles, uh, shop, but easiest way to get there is store.thunderquack.com. Uh, and of course, uh, the other way to support us is by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack, uh, where you can chip in and get, uh, get some exclusives like the thunderquack podcast and, uh, and the, ex- uh, access to our, uh, our Facebook group over, on facebook what, what is wrong with me man i <laughs> i thank you to everybody who does support us we really appreciate yeah, that uh awesome. we couldn't do this podcast thing without you guys um sure, so we really appreciate it uh that is it for this week's episode we'll ba- be back next week with our episode for the triple dark thanks for listening mm-hmm.